0: Thank you for listening to the dearest doula podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Sines, and this is episode 27. And welcome back, dear Astula community. Today we're going to be talking about the benefits of herbs during the pregnancy and postpartum period. And I'm really excited to announce that we have Miss Demetria Clark back on our show today. Hi, Demetria. Thanks for coming on.
1: Uh, thank you very much. I was just doing a woot woot with the arms. <laughs> awesome. I'm really excited to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. Oh
0: my gosh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Now, for those that aren't aware, Demetria actually came out in a part of our debut series of podcast episodes back when we first launched in June. So if you haven't listened already, you can go back to Dearest Doula episode 5 to hear all about Demetria's uh, background and birth work. So what I'd really like to do now is just take some time to have you catch us up on any developments that have happened with you and your business since then. Um, And then, of course, we'll just dive right in.
1: Well, I am really happy to announce that Aromatherapy and Herbal Remedies for Pregnancy, Birth and Postpartum has the release date in the fall from the publishing company. So I'm really excited about that. And we're always, of course, adding more course materials and educational options for birth workers or associated practices. So that, of course, I'm always really excited about. And basically, it's only been a month, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't done too much. Um, you know, just uh, trying to make uh, birth a better a better place for everyone.
0: Awesome, and. You know, Demetria mentioned in the last episode on our, our show notes page, I had to put it out there, that Demetria's a total powerhouse when it comes to getting things done and empowering the community. And I don't think she's giving herself quite enough credit. I know she was also featured on OurCampus.com and on the Reset Me News. She had some amazing interviews featuring the benefits of Dandelion. So I love those. And I've got to say, if you haven't looked into it already, go ahead and check it out today. Oh,
1: thank you. I hadn't even remembered. <laughs> I think that was two days ago. <laughs>
0: oh, no. No problem. Well, as you're aware, Demetria, the podcast was created with a perspective and nula doula in mind. So I'd like us to be as clear and thorough as we can on everything we discuss, especially with today's topic, since it's maybe the first time that they're learning about the benefits of herbs. So would you mind giving our listeners just a little background on the history and uses of herbs during pregnancy and the postpartum periods?
1: Well the history is, is is really as old as human beings are and maybe mm. before we were considered homo sapiens um, uh, herbs have always been a part of our our existence and even certain animals that are closely related to us are seen in nature using herbs so the idea that mm. this is a new a new a newfangled idea <laughs> is it's absolutely Um, you know, something that really has gone hand-in-hand with women's health since the dawn of time.
0: Awesome. Well, that was some great background, and I'm really glad that we're broaching this topic because it seems like herbs are making a huge comeback, and there's sort of uh, trending if you will.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're hashtagging hunt.
0: Yeah, hashtag herbs, right? And well, while I think this is an absolutely great thing, there is the worry that herbal use can be oversimplified at times and understanding that they're natural, but that there's still something that we need to be really knowledgeable about, especially in the case of contraindications during pregnancy is something that I'd really like us to expand on today. So with that being said, I'd love for you to share some of the different benefits of herbs, as well as some of the things that we as birth workers should be aware of when it comes to our clients using them?
1: So I think one of the first things for, for doulas to do if they're interested in working with herbs is to receive some kind of formal education. I think one of the most dangerous things you can do as a practitioner is use uh, the internet as, as your guidepost when it comes to suggesting herbal remedies for mothers or just giving information sheets to mothers you want to make sure that the that you're not suggesting products from companies that use lots of fillers or have a bad reputation mm-hmm. um, some of them could be more the multi-level marketing type you want to make sure that parents understand that herbs should be used as in close to their whole state as possible organic properly harvested. So that's a whole that's a whole educational component that you have to give you have to give parents if you're if they're saying to you, "Well, is there an herb I can use for constipation or morning sickness that's safe when during pregnancy?" And then you need to make sure that they talk to their care provider right because a lot of times people will not tell their care provider of certain herbs that they're using, and they'll find that. Maybe because the proper research wasn't done or proper information wasn't done, that they're having an issue that the herb's actually causing or it's interacting with something or a protocol that the doctor or the midwife is prescribing So you have to be really honest and people will say to me sometimes, well, my doctor hates herbs or they don't like, then maybe you need to find another doctor who is not, you know, you really have to find someone who's willing to work with you. Most doctors don't hate herbs. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a mythology. I know because I work with them. I think the, the, the major issue is is that they don't know anything about them. So it really isn't a matter of not liking them or liking them it really is a matter of not having the proper education to say to someone, yeah, you know, that, that that's probably fine. Give it a try. Mm-hmm. They'll look in their little PDR quickly and and those aren't always the greatest place to find herbal information. <laughs> and they'll say, oh, yeah, sure. Or, oh, no, I mean, because they don't necessarily have, you know, a lot of, Uh, doctors don't even receive adequate nutritional training so then you know so you may have to be an educator if you're the mother who wants to take an herb you may have to educate your doctor or your midwife midwives tend to be more knowledgeable about herbs um, just because of the the way that they're trained but you know there is an educational component for the mother and then potentially for the mother with her care provider so in order to prevent some of these issues that have occasionally occurred, you have to be honest and, and you know, tell people what you're planning on doing.
0: Well, that's great. Now, something that you just hit upon a little earlier was that you do need to be wary of the companies that you're buying these different herbal products from, you mentioned some multi-level marketing types and that you want to make sure that they are organic or properly harvested. How would one make sure that they're getting their herbs from a reliable and responsible source?
1: So at least for my students, we have a relationship with a a company, an organization called Mountain Rose Herbs. Okay. And uh, they're just a, that we don't get anything from them. Um, you know, we don't, it's not a kickback situation or anything like that. But they, on their website, for example, they have the herb, the Latin name, how it's harvested, some common uses. You know, they they have the information there. So if you go to their website, you can look and see, okay, well, this is what a decent herbal company has. So if you go to another place to buy herbs or uh, natural products, make sure they give you information. You know, what does this, if it's a blend or capsules, what does this contain? Mm-hmm. How is it made? How is it processed? They should be able to give you all that information. That's pretty standard information. So if they say th- words like it's a proprietary blend, run away, you know, screaming. <laughs> or okay. if they... um say, based on ancient wisdom, but they don't give you the list of ingredients, Mm -hmm. that's not, you know, even though that sounds better than proprietary blend to some people, that doesn't necessarily mean ethical or safe. And so they should give you that information. The only reason why I mentioned um, Mountain Rose Herbs is because their website is, it's organized nicely. It's easy to go through. They have Mm -hmm. lots of pictures. Do you want this or this? And you click on that and then you you keep going, but the reality is, is there's a lot of good resources out there. Um, You can find them locally. Uh, You can grow your own. Um, But the reality is, is that you really need more than less information. I remember an herb store opened locally. And um, if I don't tell herbal people who I am, they don't necessarily know who I am. Um, But if I say my name, they all seem to know who I am. But I just went in and I was looking around and I was like, could you just tell me what's in this? Because it, it said it could do all these amazing things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I was like, and she's like, it's a special blend from California. Yeah. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and she got really angry at me for um. even asking. So that was a place I never went to again. Mm-hmm. Now, if I go to a place and they pull out an information sheet or they say all the ingredients are listed here, that's a good thing. Uh, A lot of people, um, especially if they're smaller herbal manufacturers, sometimes think that people are going to steal their recipes and that their information will be out there and everyone will know (laughs) how to do it. But the reality is, is lots and lots of people know how to cut terry cloth to make a washcloth. We're still going to go to the store and buy washcloths. The reality is, is that there's nothing original in the world <laughs> you know, There's no rural remedy that, you know, in our gazillion years of being on the planet that hasn't been made. You're not coming up with anything new. You mm-hmm. may think you are. You really <laughs> aren't. There's only a certain amount of blends and a certain amount of ingredients. And so, you know, sometimes they won't always have the information, but try to encourage them to put it on as much as possible.
0: Okay, great. That's awesome. And going back to Mountain Rose, they do have a really informative and just downright gorgeous website. (laughs) I really like it. Yeah, their pictures are beautiful. I'd like to backtrack again for just a second. And I know earlier you talked about the history of how herbs have been used. Would you mind just expanding a little more about your history of working with herbs? So
1: this was kind of... uh I didn't know there was a name for it when I was little, but I used to always, you know, we lived all over the country. So we lived in Alaska and Alabama and all these, all these different places. And because we were in the military, it was uh, very diverse ethnic groups, people from all over the world, but it was tight knit communities. So you would hear and see things that people were doing. And I would ask questions because I'm super, super nosy. <laughs> like, what's that for? What do you do that? And so people start telling me when I was really little, five and six. And then I started, because I had learned how to read at three, so I started trying to, you know, read these different stories. So some of them started off like reading little fantasy books where someone would use herbs for something. And then as I got older, it became more of an academic pursuit. But I had my first formal herbal training at the age of... Uh, Thirteen, I went oh. to an alternative high school that, that offered me the option and the ability to design the herb gardens. And then I lived in a commune. So my birth work and my herb work have always been really closely linked mm-hmm. because to me, they just kind of seemed a natural extension of each other. And then I just, you know, took whatever formal and informal training I could get my hands on and We started the school in 1998. I was the first herbal school to be online and have an online classroom. And I think I probably was one of the first herbal schools with a website. (laughs) (laughs) We, you know, we, we were, you know old school (laughs) I think the first school page was on like tripod or something like that if that tells you anything but the you know um but it's always been something that I just have naturally really wanted to do and when I decided to start writing books I just emailed a publisher and was like you should publish my book basically and they were like cool send us what you have so that was you know that was a few years ago it took a few years to get the first book published. I write like I talk a (laughs) lot, but I need people to help me sound pretty. So, (laughs) so I, uh, you know, I, but I've just always been really blessed and really fortunate. I taught my first herbal classes to the, um, mother's support group and the military my husband was in the army and we were you know there's like 10 of us there mm-hmm. I had a little baby you know when I'm teaching my first little formal herb class and that was in 19 or I think I was pregnant with the first one so 1996 and then it just kind of grew from there no one else was really doing it the way I was doing it um I have a very family approach a very mother kind of approach like you know um, like with birth arts are, we have very similar philosophies. So at Heart of Herbs, we really believe that students need to do their herb work when they can, not rush, 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 because I'm going to lose my investment. So we've always been very family orientated. So birth work and herb work for me has always been kind of a, you know, a big lump of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big tangled web wee weep. no but it's um you know it's just part of it's just part of um who I am I don't think I had a choice in it I probably if I hadn't become an herbalist I probably would have become um a forensic anthropologist or a physician who, who did specifically focus on plant medicinals so I mean I think that's always so it's just always something that's been there
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that, Demetria. You certainly have a very cool and colorful background. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Well, dear Stula community, before we dive into today's topic, I need to take a moment to stress that the purpose of this podcast is to connect, educate, and empower you as a birth worker. Now, Demetria and I are not medical professionals, and the content shared in today's episode, <laughs> episode should in no way be interpreted as medical advice we implore you to encourage that your clients discuss their options and decisions with a healthcare provider. So again, the information provided here is for educational and informational purposes only. In no way should it be considered as offering medical advice. All right, Demetria, I just had to throw that cloak of protection over us before we begin. But now that that's been said, I would love it if you could just take us through some of those more common herbs that you see used during the pregnancy and postpartum period, and then go ahead and explain what there's specifically used for
1: absolutely so I really I really like using herbs that are so overall I'm the kind of person who uses very I'm very much into backyard herbalism using what's locally available in your local environment I don't believe in shipping herbs over on carriers Mm -hmm. from other countries I just think that's a huge waste of money but and resources and not good for the environment. Yeah. Uh, I could go on. But so most of the herbs that I'm going to suggest are herbs that in one variety or another generally can be found in almost any country in the world. So if you're listening, you know, in other parts of the world, you'll, you'll have a version of that's potentially going to offer very very similar effects. So the first one that I like is is alfalfa. And alfalfa is a super nutritious herb too. So that's one of the reasons why I like it. Because it's a nutritional superstar, you can use it in pregnancy for nourishment, uh, discouraging fatigue and increasing milk supply. Uh, After after the baby is born, Hmm. and because it's generally considered an overall good health herb, it stimulates the appetite and it can be a gentle diuretic. And you know, I said it's a nutritional superstar. Well, it's about fifty percent protein, the herb, and it's rich in calcium. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the ashes of the leaves are ninety nine percent pure calcium. So I mean, that tells you. This this plant is just sockum bopum great. <laughs> right. It has vitamin K, A, B B1, one, B six, B twelve, C D E, folic acid, niacin. I mean you could just go on. And it's generally considered extremely safe. So I like I like that that herb. Um, in pregnancy teas. Uh, just basic general tonics throughout pregnancy. I think that that's that's a good herb to use, of course. Now, let me just say, and this kind of goes in conjunction with your disclaimer, just because something is good and considered safe doesn't mean it's always going to be good for the person who's taking it or safe for them. Some people are going to have allergies or some people are going to have reactions that maybe you know, aren't, maybe aren't like a huge deal, but the reality is, is that if someone says they don't like something or something made him feel funny, you always want to say, okay, let's listen to that. Let's find an alternative. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is, is that there's so many different, um, allergies and interactions and people are becoming especially I think more sensitive that we really need to acknowledge that when they say something it's just like in birth when a woman says something doesn't feel right to her we always say listen to her listen to her Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing with herbs listen to yourself you know and encourage clients to listen to themselves so another one that I really like um, in pregnancy is so I like borage. Borage is um, a good source of calcium and potassium. It, Because it's a culinary herb, it's generally considered safe. It's also good for anxiety, and it's a good tonic for the adrenals. So if you're dealing with a mom or a mom is dealing with, some women can become particularly anxious in pregnancy, mm-hmm. and that may be something good. And she can even eat that, the flowers in a salad, you know, and kind of, you know, they're so pretty anyways. So you can kind of, you know, incorporate herbs in different ways too. And then you have herbs like fennel and caraway, which are good for milk production, but it's also, they're also really good for gas Um, and they're culinary herbs and generally in regular dosages, they're fine. Obviously, if someone is, you know, when you go to an Indian restaurant and they have those little Indian candy in the bowl, that's, that's fennel dipped in a candy coating. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, okay, cool. But if someone was eating like a few handfuls of them when they were pregnant with a pregnancy craving, that probably wouldn't be a safe dosage. <laughs> so you know, yeah. obviously, you know, and then herbs like cardamom. So your chai herbs are generally considered generally considered safe. Chamomile's generally considered safe unless someone has an an allergy to the a chrysanthemum family that, you know, they're generally considered um, safe and they're good for reducing inflammation and reducing intestinal, mouth, throat, skin inflammation. Uh, It's good for cramping, low back pain, um, muscular spasms. Chickweed is another great one during pregnancy. It's good topically and internally. You can eat it as a food. Um, when baby arrives, chickweed is really good for infant skin care. It's rich in vitamin C and bioflavonoids. So chickweed's one that I really like. Mm. I like cinnamon for digestion, and it's also considered good for um, blood sugar issues. So mm. if a woman is having blood sugar issues, if she's taking the proper amounts and talking to her doctor, she may find that it will assist her and warding off needing, um, especially if it's just a little bit of a blood sugar issue, it can definitely help with that. Um, awesome. Let's see. I really like dandelion. It should be, um, you should, though, before using it in pregnancy, realize that it is a diuretic. So if a woman is retaining water, that could be a potentially a good herb for her to use. Dandelion leaves are rich in vitamins specifically A C and K and they're good sources of calcium, iron, manganese and potassium. Dandelion is a vegetable, so you can you can go to I'm not sure so much up north unless you go to like a health food store or like a more trendy food store. But down south you can find dandelion grains in every freezer section. Fresh canned (laughs) I mean they're everywhere. And besides your front yard, I mean, you could find them there too. <laughs> but the reality is, is that um, dandelion is really good for you. It's generally considered very safe. You just have to be aware that you know it's gonna make you pee. You're mm. gonna pee <laughs> a lot, um, especially if you have extra, extra water being retained. Um, let's see, ginger is good for relieving nausea. It can be essential during pregnancy for people who are suffering from morning sickness. It has a long tradition of also being used for osteoarthritis, which is great because if you are working with a woman who's having some arthritic issues, you know, that's a generally, it's a food herb. She can put it in different kinds of curries or stir fries and still get some of the event, um, the effects of that. Also, a really good quali- high quality ginger beer can actually be quite therapeutic. <laughs> so if you wanna go get yourself some uh, ginger candy and some ginger beer you know, at the market, you can usually find really good quality ginger beers at ethnic markets and some health food stores. Hibiscus flour is great. Hibiscus is rich in antioxidants and flavonoids. And they offer um, cardiac health benefits, and they can be really helpful in decreasing blood pressure. You can find hibiscus flowers everywhere, Uh, lots of different um, Middle Eastern and Indian restaurants also serve it as a beverage, so you can find, you know, it's this glorious red color so, and it just makes this beautiful, like hot pink punch. Mm-hmm. If you want to do like a hibiscus punch, if you look online, there's all kinds of fun ways to use to use herbs, but there's lots of fun ways to use hibiscus also. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Well, Demetria, I'm absolutely loving this interview. You are so full of amazing information when it comes to herbs that I think the only way to really do this topic justice is to break it into two episodes just so that we can really continue to explore more on this. So, Dearest Dula community, you are invited to tune back in this Thursday where Demetria and I will continue our conversations and she will continue to blow our minds <laughs> with her <laughs> (laughs) Herbal Knowledge Awesomeness. And we'll get into more of those common herbs, contraindications, as well as uh, tips and resources that Demetria will recommend. So be sure to check that out. For more information on today's episode, you can check out Demetria's show notes page. It's at dearestula.com. If you click on the podcast button, you can look her up. So until next time, dearest doula community, I hope that today's episode made you feel one step closer to being connected, educated, and empowered. Take care.